This message was presented at the GYC 2011 conference. For other resources like this, visit us online at gycweb.org. Father, I do want to thank you again for the manner in which you lead us uh, in our lives. And I thank you so much, Lord, because you really don't try to hide things from us. And, uh, Lord, you go through great pains to, to make things simple for us. And we thank you for that. Uh, we thank you, Lord, for the things that you have taught us to this point, And we want to thank you for the things you're going to teach us. Father, again, we, we invite your presence, we request it, asking you, Lord, to forgive us, to cleanse us, to encircle us in your presence, that your bright shining angels, Lord, will form a, a ring of fire around this room, that the Prince of Darkness will not harass or bother us. And Lord, I pray that you will give me the words to speak, uh, bring to my mind what it is you want me to say. And again, I, I ask for your continued blessing upon each here and that they will recognize and, and be able to receive precisely what you have for them. Lord, I pray that you will hide this humble instrument behind the cross, and that Jesus and him only will be magnified, lifted up, is our prayer. Thank you. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. You know, um, as I stand before you here, I, I, don't, I don't consider myself an expert at all, not by any stretch of the imagination. But, but, I, but I enjoy sharing with you the things that I am learning about, about the Lord and about following Him. And, uh, and I hope that it's a blessing to you. And I believe in being very practical. Um, uh, as I mentioned to you before, I'm a very bottom line person. And, and if I can't see how to make it work in my life, I'm not interested. I want to know how it works. Uh, you know, they say that uh, children at age three enter into the terrible threes where they ask all the questions. And I don't think I've come out of that yet. Um, I like to ask them. Uh, speaking of questions, there were two asked in our last session that seemed to really, they're still ringing in my mind. Um, and I don't know that I, satis that I satisfactorily answered them. But, um, but one of them was the idea, uh, was the difference between victory over sin, being in a sinless state, and having the character of Christ. And I want to say that I don't see how those two, the more I think about it, they're two different things, but they're connected. In other words, how am I going to reveal the character of Christ while I'm living in rebellion against Him? It's illogical. Are you with me? And uh, the only way to, ha to be in a sinless state is through the power of the Holy Spirit and through, the, through, through Christ's power working in our lives. And by beholding, we become changed. So we're developing more of His character. So I, as the more, I haven't spent a lot of time. That was a new question for me. I've never quite heard that put to me uh, that way. But the more I think about it, we're looking at two things but they're one thing. They're two sides of one item, kind of like justification and sanctification. They're two different things, but they're one. Does that make sense? I hope I just didn't muddy the waters. Then another one was asked, and, uh, and that was the idea of, uh, of whether or not you have to be a Seventh-day Adventist to be saved. You know, that's, that's a tricky question, uh, because in the last days, the devil is going to... What's the attack on in the last days? What is the focus of the devil's attack on? Is the Sabbath issue. That's the dividing line. Are you with me? Who's, the, who are, who's giving the message on the Sabbath today? It's predominantly the Adventists. The other one is um, the state of the dead. All right? What is the most effective weapon the devil is using today? Is spiritualism. 
The Seventh-day Adventist Church blocks those two deceptions. Are there true-hearted Christians in other denominations? Without question, the absolute is true. But as we're nearing the end, their salvation is in jeopardy unless we get to them this information. Because what's going to block the deceptions when their dead grandmother shows up and says, starts giving them another, another line of truth, that what's going to block that if they think that when you die you go straight to heaven? So, so in other words, I, I'm not saying that all Seventh-day Adventists are going to be saved. I addressed that issue already. But it's the message that we have that the world has got to hear, and that's my point. The world has got to hear that message so they can be ready for translation. Are you with me? And the message of the hour right now is that we have a high priest in the most holy place who is working to give us victory over the power of sin to reflect his character so that we'll be ready for translation. And nobody else has that message but us. And that's the message that prepares the people for the second coming of Christ. Does that make sense? Does that make more sense? Good deal. What we're going to look at today, uh, we're going to look at the call to pray. I believe that we are living on the threshold of the second coming of Christ. I believe that. You know, we're living in a very unique time in Earth's history because uh, those who are non-believers recognize the reality that we are living on the verge of a monumental crisis. Are you with me? But as Bible-believing Christians, we know that behind that crisis is Christ. So we don't focus on what's coming, but rather on who's coming. Okay, so we, we make sense of what is going on. Everybody else is, many are looking around going, there are many honest-hearted people out there that realize something is about to happen. Something is wrong. And we're told through the spirit of prophecy that the final movements are going to be rapid. And we have not seen the like of that yet, but we're going to. This thing is going to wrap up quickly by the grace of God. So the question is, how do we maintain our faith through the challenges ahead? How do we do that? And the way that's going to happen, dear friends, is through a prayer program. We were talking about how Adam and Eve, before the fall, had a connection with God. Amen? Through the fall, they lost that connection. And through the plan of redemption, Jesus came to reconnect us. Amen? Through the Word and through prayer, we maintain that connection. And so today, we're going to take a look at prayer. And uh, I have some handouts. Another La Sierra. Friends, how awesome is that? Oh, sorry, is that recorded? Wait. I need some handouts to be handed out. I can have some volunteers. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. You know, while this is being passed out, I just want to share with you... By the way, it's so awesome to see how God leads. We, the last time we saw each other was 20-some-odd years ago, and then we run into each other, and we're just amazed to see what God has done in our lives. And, uh, and I am so excited about that. But I want to share one more thing with you. Can I do that? I want to introduce to you a very special friend. I have very special friends here, but this special friend plays a very special role in my life, and her name is Melissa Wishon. And Melissa and I, when I first became, uh, when I came back to the Lord, I, came, I went to, uh, I was working at First Union Mortgage Corporation. Oh, wait a second. I think I might be able to tie this in later. 
Okay, I'll have to embarrass you again, Melissa, all over again. No, I think I'll do it now. And, <clears throat> and you know, as I, I, I was, as I was working here as a temporary uh, a temp agent, agency, Melissa was one of the team leaders at the time for First Union Mortgage Corporation, and uh, I, would, I was the only Seventh-day Adventist there. And uh, one day, she noticed that I asked for my time off and, and whatnot and, uh, for the Sabbath. I was, I was leaving her early on Friday. And one day, she came to me and she said, why, why do you do all that? And I said, because the seventh day is the Sabbath of God. It's the Bible Sabbath. And she said to me, prove it. And you know, I had gone through our schools and I couldn't. Of course, I didn't tell her that. And uh, I just looked at her and I said, sure. Uh, let me put some things together and I'll bring it back to you. And I went home and prayed real hard. I said, Lord, you know, I believe this, but I can't say that I could prove it from the Word. So I got my concordance and I got my Bible and I immersed myself in a study. And I created my study. And when I came out of that study, I said, yes! Now I know this for myself. Amen? And I went back and I shared it with Melissa and she studied it. And uh, long story short, we began Bible studies and uh, she, she loves the Lord Jesus Christ. And recognizing the Sabbath, accepted the Sabbath, and uh, has been a faithful member for many years now. Mercy, that was 20 years ago. But every time I see her, I, it, they bring such joy to my heart. It makes me think, what is it going to be like on the earth made new when those people that we were willing to share with, we will see for all eternity? What a joy is that. So you just like totally make my day. I just want you to know that. But I always tell you that. But the Lord is good. All right. Well, let's take a look. And what we're going to look at today really is, the, is what I like to call the world's greatest wireless connection, and that is prayer. And this is going to be just a very simple, we're going to look at science of prayer. I appreciate the fact that God really doesn't make things complicated, but He will make it as complicated as we want it to be. Amen? But, uh, but I, I found there is power in simplicity. And so we're going to take a look at three things here at this session. That is, number one, the invitation to pray. We're going to look at... Uh, the conditions to answer prayer. And then we're going to look at the timing, place, and um, the content of prayer. And, uh, and I hope this will be a rich blessing to you. I missed a question, Roger, for you. I answered a question before you came back. We'll get you again. But, uh, but let's begin by looking at some quotes, and then we're going to get into the Word. And what I'm going to do here is I'm just going to share with you experiences in my own prayer life. We serve a real God who is interested in our lives, and is very much interested in our issues. And I'm going to be sharing with you my journey in the development of this and my understanding in hopes that the Holy Spirit will bear witness to some of these things and give you courage and strength in your walk with Jesus. Amen? Uh, let's take a look at some thoughts here, thoughts to consider as we begin. Education 257. In the prayer of faith, there is a divine science. It is a science that everyone who would make his life work a success must what? Understand. And, uh, and, and I praise the Lord, we're living in a time where there's lots of stuff out there. There is a compilation uh, that's entitled The Power of Prayer by Ellen White that I encourage you to look at. Uh, it gives you a good overview. Very, very encouraging and uh, educational. Of course, in the Bible, there are a number of prayers we can be looking at, and we'll be looking at one tomorrow. The next is found in Gospel Workers, page 255. Here's some more if you're looking for some handouts for the study we're going through. Oh, you got them. Thank you, sweetie. <clears throat> Gospel Workers 255. Neglect the exercise of prayer or engage in prayer 
spasmodically now and then as seems convenient. And what's going to happen? You're going to lose your hold on God. So is prayer optional for the Christian? It's about as optional as breathing. Prayer is as optional as breathing. And uh, Steps to Christ, page 93. Prayer is the opening of the heart to God as to a what? As to a friend. Not that it is necessary in order to make known to God what, uh, what we are, but in order to enable us to receive Him. Prayer does not bring God down to us. It brings us up to Him. Isn't that beautiful? We serve an awesome God, and prayer is not to change God. It's to change us. And we'll talk more about that. But what is God's invitation to us uh, when we talk about prayer? Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without what? Without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace in help in time of need. And so when, when the, the challenge here is to come how? Boldly. That means with confidence. Confident that we're going to someone that really understands. I don't know about you, but I'm sure you've had this experience where you have been through something and you try to share that with someone who has never been through that and you don't receive much empathy. Are you with me? As a pastor, uh, what I try to do, you know, lots of people come to me with the challenges in their lives. I haven't been through everything. But what I do is when someone comes to me and they're, and they're struggling in the midst of something, I'll begin to pray for the Lord to bring to my remembrance someone who's been through that but has come out. Then I work to connect them because they can speak a language that the other can understand. I remember one day I was passing a kidney stone. Have you ever passed a kidney stone? Don't do it. Drink lots of water. And, uh, but I, I can tell you this. I had a couple of ladies tell me that they would rather have a baby. So, if that gives you any insight to a kidney stone. But, uh, I didn't say that. They said that. I did not say that. But, um, but anyway, when I, when I first get, came into the emergency room, there were two guys there. Uh, and, and when I was told them what I was going through, they were all over me. They were just, oh, I'm so sorry. And they were carrying me out. And they were looking for medicine to give me. And it turns out they had passed kidney stones. And they understood what I was going through. Later on, I went home and the kidney stone made a comeback. I thought that it was gone. The nice doctor told me it was gone, but it wasn't gone. It came back. When I showed up in the emergency room, those nice guys were gone, and I had two ladies there who I don't think ever had a baby because they were not very sympathetic, and I laid there and suffered. Uh, they weren't in a big hurry to give me the nice medicine. But, but as I was laying there, I was thinking about Jesus. As I was thinking with that pain, I was going through that pain, and listen, when, when, when we think about Jesus going through everything we, that a human being can go through, it doesn't have a lot of meaning unless you're really going through it. You, you don't have anything to... Re when I was passing that kidney stone, and, and I thought of the fact that Jesus went through every experience that a human being can go through, the whole gamut of human experience, you know, it has some meaning. Do you realize, it dawned on me then, that there will never be a time when somebody's going to walk up to Jesus and say, you know, you don't know what I went through. You don't understand. The reality is that when you and I go to our knees, there may not be another human being on earth that can understand what you're going through. But Jesus does. Jesus does understand. And not only does He understand, He understands so well that He calls us to come to Him. 
so he can help us. That is a standing invitation to every one of us here to pray. God is calling you to pray, to spend time with him. He wants to spend time with you. You know, I, it's amazing to me when you think about the fact, you know, as children growing up, how exciting was it to know that our parent wanted to spend the day with us? And here our Heavenly Father every day is offering that opportunity. He's calling us. He wants us to spend that time. And he understands our experiences. And in 1 Peter 5.7, we're invited there to cast all our care upon him for one simple reason. He cares for you. Isn't that awesome? It's an invitation that is founded on caring. But let's flesh this out a little bit. Upon one condition are we promised the needed blessing. Matthew 7, 7 and 8 says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will what? Knock and it will be what? Open. For everyone who asks does what? And he who seeks what? And him who knocks it will be what? What an invitation. He's pleading with us. Will you please come talk with me? I want to talk with you. It does that do anything for you? It does for me. That this God who is so busy is that way. You know, I am in the habit, in fact, I'm in the habit of losing my glasses. You know, once you take them off, come on, you can't see to find them. And, and it's awful. And, uh, but I'm so thankful that I can go to my knees and ask God, Lord, I cannot find those glasses. Do you think God cares? Yes. You bet He does. God is constantly, and, I, and, I, and I'll get a flash in my mind, a picture, oh, that's right, I left it on the, that'll happen to me, or with my keys. The Lord has done that. But you know what really got me praying for those little things? Uh, was an incident that took place early in my walk with Christ. I was working in Northern California for a computer software company. And I was doing training. I was, I was going to be a trainer, software trainer. And I was doing training. And my trainer, we were near the Bay Area. And uh, she wanted to make a phone call. And she took me, she took us to this... Uh, this plaza, it was huge. You know how it is in California, maybe some of these in Florida. I mean, the parking lots are humongous, cars everywhere. And it must have been about 5 o'clock, end of the day, and people coming off work. And um, as I was, uh, I was, I drove, and she, she went out to make the phone call. I was sitting in the car right in the area where cars have to come through to park. And I look at the mirror, here comes cars, I'm blocking the way, so I had to move. And then I had to go through this maze. It took me, it just seemed like forever, and went around, run around, run around. Finally came back and she was still on the phone. I thought maybe she'd be standing by the sidewalk. She'd be done. I was like, oh no, I look at the mirror. Here comes another car. And so I had to keep doing this. And it was driving me crazy. And I was a little nervous because I didn't know the area and all these cars. And as I came around, and the thought had been going through my mind, pestering me to pray for a parking place where there weren't any. It would be great if there was a parking place right where the lady was. And, and then when she was done, she can come into the car. But I thought, how silly to bother God for a parking place. I mean, here God is trying to save humanity and He's keeping the world and the universe from colliding into each other and He's going to be worried about my parking place. How crazy is that? And uh, so I didn't pray and I came around again and I didn't want to leave my spot. I was hoping she would be done. She was still talking. Looking at the rearview mirror and here's coming a car and I thought, oh, I'm going to have to do this again. And this thing kept pestering me. So finally I said, okay. So I bowed my head. I said, Lord. Because this text came to my mind, James 4.2. You do not have because what? You don't ask. So I said, Lord... I really don't want to bother you. I know you've got like really important things you've got to be doing right now. But this thought's going through my mind, so I, I thought I'd do it. Lord, you know that I'm really, this is kind of nerve-wracking for me to be going through all this. It would be so helpful if you just got me a parking place. Um, and I know you can do it, because you've created the universe. This isn't a big deal. If you can give me a parking place, that would be great. And if, and if you know, you're too busy, I totally understand. 
was my early my walk with the Lord. And I said, thank you, amen. I kid you not. I looked up, and just as I looked up out of my prayer, amen, I looked up, and this lady, you know those electric door things, opens up, she comes walking out, and her eyes meet. She comes walking out, comes around, gets in a little Ford Mustang, backs up. I never even had to back up. She backs up, leaves, and I was able to go, poop, and right in front of the lady on the telephone booth. Now, there are people in this world that would say that's a coincidence. No. No, no. If you're a Christian, you don't believe in coincidences. That was the CIA's motto, and that should be the Christian model as well. God answered me, and it blew my mind. Is God that interested even in the little things in our lives? The answer is yes, He is. But I had a lot to learn. I thought I found the ticket to good parking places. So I started praying everywhere I went. And then that wasn't working out. And the Lord had to show me that, you know, walking is good for you. And, and sometimes we mistake, we mistake needs for greeds. There's a development in our understanding. Uh, understand, God is a wise Father. But I began to understand a little bit here that God is interested in the little things in our lives. And a youth instructor nine, in, in 1900, I love this one little sentence, the Lord invites us to ask Him. You know, even if what you're asking is incorrect, He's going to take that opportunity to teach you something. Amen? Nothing wrong with that. But what's the neat thing about the Lord is that what he, has to, what he says no to opens the door to a yes and something else. But it's not only the little things, but the big things too. And number three, what does God promise to do with my needs? And that's the thing that really qualifies us as, as sinners to come to God and for Him to hear us. It's our need. Are you with me? Our great need is what qualifies us. In the Philippians 4.19, I love this promise. It says, And my God shall supply all your what? Your need according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. All of your need. You know, when, uh, when I was a youth pastor in the Hendersonville Church, one of the things I wanted to do with my youth was to take them on a mission trip. Uh, from the moment we got there, I knew that that would be an experience that would strengthen their walk with Christ. You know why? Because things go wrong on mission trips. Do you know that? And you get to see the power of God as you cry out to Him for help and for direction. But only that, but it is such a joy to be of service for others. Amen? I love it. And uh, anyway, and I, I was, we were so busy in our department, very busy department. Our young people were all in evangelism. And um, I just couldn't find a way to do a mission trip. And every time I tried, the door would close. Well, it just turns out that in our church, the founders of Maranatha go to church there. The Freemans, precious people. And um, he came to me and he says, why don't you try Maranatha? And I said, okay. And so he, you know, he, he how, do, how do we do this? I remember, I began praying to the Lord. I said, Lord, I don't have time to do a mission trip. I need you to lay a burden on someone's heart to be really willing to be the liaison to get everything started and then I'd be willing to lead it from there. But I don't have time for this, God. Will you please lay a burden? I began to pray, Lord, please put a burden on someone's heart. And as I was praying, John came to my mind. Now, he's all of 86 years old. And I thought, but he's a real firecracker. I mean, he is still going, all guns. And I thought, Lord, lay a burden on his heart. So I began to pray. And then one day, we're in the, the, the office there by the senior pastor, Charles and I, and there was a knock on the door, and in comes John. He had this look. He was a man on a mission. And he comes in and he says to us, um, gentlemen, what this church needs is a mission trip. And I said, John, Charles and I are so busy. Uh, who, who do you recommend to uh, lead it up? And he thought for a moment and he said, I'll do it. Yes. So, 
he has the connections. He calls Maranatha, and he has them to come out and do this incredible kickoff. He has Dick Dirksen there and the, the whole team, and it was an amazing event. It was wonderful, and we were moving right along, and we were waiting for them to tell us where we were going to go so you can start planning, right? And this was, not, this was 08. Anybody know what happened at the end of 08? The economy tanked. And suddenly, everything was, was in standstill. We didn't know what was going to go on. And we didn't hear anything from Maranatha because they were scrambling to redirect their emphasis because the cost now. And we didn't hear anything until three months before it was time for our departure. And we had made no plans. Because there was, what were we going to plan for? We didn't know where we were going. And in three months, we had to raise $65,000 not including airfare for 55 people. Now, if you were in charge of that project, what would you have said? And as John stood in front of me, I knew what he was wanting me to say, call it off, and that's what I wanted to say. But I felt deep within my heart that the Lord was saying to me, this is not your call. So John and I, we prayed, and, I, and, and, and we said, and we both agreed that if God wanted this to work, somehow it was going to work. And if, he wasn't going to, if it wasn't going to work, then he'd let us know. In two months, the Lord raised for us $70,000. I wish I could share with you the details of how this thing fleshed out. And the way he got us the tickets were amazing. The miracles that God did for us. You know, we watched God change the weather for us on four different days in front of our eyes. And it was amazing to me, by the way, later, my young people came to me and they said, why doesn't God work for us like this back in the States? And I said, because we don't work for him like this back in the States. That's the reason. God is ready. We need to be. But the reality is that whether it's big or small, we can not out-ask God. His resources out-supply our need. Amen? Huge. In Steps to Christ, page 100, we find these words. Keep your wants, your joys, your sorrows, your cares, and your fears before God. You cannot burden Him. You cannot weary him. He who numbers the hairs of your head is not indifferent to the wants of his children. Nothing that in any way concerns our peace is too small for him to notice. Could anyone be that good? Yes. And you know, maybe in our lives we haven't had that example, but if you come to know God better, you will not be disappointed. He is precious to us. But, in these answers to prayer, we have to come to the understanding that God is not irresponsible. There are conditions to prayer. Amen? And I'd like to take a look at some of those now. How must we ask in order to receive? James 1, 6 and 7 says, But let him ask in what? Faith with, with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. God wants us to believe Him. You know, it's hard to trust someone you don't know. Amen? And in getting to know Him, we're going to find that He is very trustworthy. And that is a testimony to others who are watching our peace. Hebrews 11.6, But without faith it is what? Impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently what? Seek Him. I can share with you so many stories of God's faithfulness right now. We can just go all day. What an adventure to know him. When I was um, a chaplain at an academy, you know, our young people today 
are going through some incredible pain. I mean, incredible. You know, we see them, and then we see them at church, and, and you know, we say happy Sabbath to one another, and inside we're dying. Dying. And on uh, this campus that I was on, with young people coming from, with broken lives, coming from broken homes, everything from homosexuality, from molestation, cutting themselves. I mean, I, the gamut, I can just go through the gamut with you. And, and probably what I'm sharing with you, many of you here, is no surprise. But it was beyond my ability to meet. That's, that's a God thing. I can't do that. There was so much pain, and our staff was trying to meet it, that it was burning out of staff. And I began to pray earnestly. Have any of you know what a school schedule is like? Uh, it is, this was years ago, by the way, uh, this incident, many, many years ago. But you know uh, how uh, wild uh, school schedules can be. Amen? Ah, uh, there's a few of you in school. Anyway, and um, anyway, I, I began praying earnestly to the Lord. I said, Lord, something has to ha- be done for these kids. And I don't know what it is. You need to bring someone here that can connect with their pain. Remember how I shared that with you earlier? You need to bring me someone, Father, who can connect with the pain with these kids because as much as I feel for them, I cannot speak the language that they, that they need to hear right now. You know, I, I can't speak hope to them when I haven't been through what they've been through. They're not going to buy it. You need to bring me someone, Father. And the name of this person kept ringing in my mind. And uh, one of my parishioners in a previous district had mentioned her name. I'd never heard her speak. And if you're a pastor, you're always really nervous about bringing someone you've never heard speak. Because surprises there are not good. And I thought, oh Lord, I had never heard her talk. But, and she kept coming to my mind. And she was so busy and I knew she flew all over the world. And, and this went here, then the other. I thought, why in the world should she come out here in the middle of nowhere uh, to give a talk. So anyway, I looked through my calendar and I only had one weekend available. One. And I thought, you know, she kept, and finally I said, okay, Lord, I'll call her. Her name is Cherie Peters. Anybody know Cherie? Wild. I love Cherie. But I went ahead and I called Cherie. And I, and I you know, introduced myself to her and she introduced her, you know, we talked a little bit. And I said to her, can, can you come out here? I, I really, I really believe the Lord wants you to come out here. And, um, and she said to me, I'm sorry, but my, my calendar is so loaded. There's no way. I said, can you just check, please? So I look. And she says, you know, I do have a weekend open. What weekend is that? And she told me. It was the same weekend. Anybody want to call that a coincidence? Who's going to call that a coincidence? Okay. So I was happy. I said, see, the Lord wants you out here. So you've got to come out. She said, this is how much it's going to cost to bring me out with all the stuff that she had to go through. It was a lot of money. Now, my budget was gone. Zilcho. But if the Lord placed that in my mind, and if He lined up the date, will God supply my need? So I had to make a decision, and she had to make a decision. Were we willing to trust God to provide the finances? I said to her, you come, and God will provide it. And you know what? He did. Above and beyond anything I could ask and think. What God unleashed through that testimony in that little school, and even in my church, was unreal. We serve a God that if we will go forward and believe Him, He will meet, he will, he will meet us halfway. Now, there's a difference in, presu- in pro- help me here, you know what I'm going to say. Presumption and faith. Faith is when you know God's leading and the next step is, is a step into, I don't know what. Presumption is when you're coming up with your own plans and you're asking God to bless it. You see the difference? 
when you know that God's leading you and the next step is going to call for a, you're going to have to trust me on this type deal, that's faith. But when you're coming up with your own plans and asking God to bless your plans, that's presumption. That makes sense? God was leading and he was asking me to trust him. And so in this, God is, God is reminding us that if we will trust him, he will reward the trust. Amen? He will reward it. In Signs of the Times, 1903, it says, But without faith, oh no, I'm sorry, it is by faith alone that we can claim his promise, saying, I received the thing I asked for, thy word is sure, I cannot fail. You know, I am learning, I am training my mind to do this more and more in my life. This is a growing area for me. Growing area. And I submit to you that in preparation for the crisis that is coming upon us soon, if we have not learned to trust him in the little puny stuff we're dealing with now, we're laying the groundwork for what we're going to do when the crisis hits us. Now is the time to start claiming those promises and moving forward in faith, trusting the Lord. But let's continue. Under what condition does the Lord answer prayer? 1 John 3, verse 22 says, And whatever we ask, receive from Him, because we keep His commandments and do those things that are pleasing in His sight. And in Psalms 66, verse 18, it says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will what? The Lord will not hear. I used to wonder why this is, and I'm going to share with you an illustration. I hope this makes sense to you. Are you with me? All right. You're asking God for something, but there's sin in the life, and He won't answer your prayer. That almost sounds like, you do it my way, or I take my toys with me. But there is a larger issue here. The wages of sin is what? Is death. Okay? God is dealing with a life and death issue. So when we're praying for a need, but there is sin in the life, what is the larger issue? It's the sin. So let me use this analogy. You know, right now it's winter time. My daughter bought a horse. She did. She's 11, 12 now. But she bought a horse, and, uh, and one of my friends uh, wants to, Jacob wants to see the horse. So Jacob comes to me, and he wants to visit, and he wants to see Sarah's horse. And so I'm standing here, and, uh, and, and it's winter, and we have the radiator heater here, and, or some sort of heater, furnace. And Jacob comes up to me and he says, you know, Pastor Bauti, I would really like to go to your house and, uh, and visit your horse. Now, unbeknownst to him, his coat got too close to the heater. And his, and his coat has is, is caught fire. Right? You with me? Am I going to ignore his request to go see the horse? If I love him, I will ignore the request. Because there is a larger issue. His life is in jeopardy. We have got to deal with a larger issue. It's not that God doesn't care about the request, my, my friends. If there's a larger issue, if there is sin going on in the life, that matter has got to be addressed. Are you with me? And, and you know, many times when I don't have prayer being answered, I will go through this in my mind. I'll say, Lord, is there anything going on in my life that I'm not coming clean with you on? And, and you know, one of the biggest areas to look at is our relationship with others. That's one of the biggest areas. And, I, and I'll touch a little bit more on that. But I, I ask him to go through and, and show me that. But that's one of the issues. If we're in rebellion against God, God is going to stop and deal with the larger issue. In Christ's Object Lessons 143, it says, Prayer can never take the place of duty. Those who bring the petitions to God, claiming His promise, while they do not comply with the conditions, insult God, who gave His Son to die to free us from sin. Amen? You with me? We insult Him. So that's another issue. Number six, when praying, uh, what must we do in order to be forgiven? Am I there? Matthew eleven twenty-five. 
And whatever we stand, we at, where and whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him that your Father in heaven may also forgive you his trespasses. And, and I wanted to throw this in here because, you know, let's just be honest. You know, we're, we're sitting here in this, in this um, convention and we're praying for the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And many of us have people in our lives that we are refusing to forgive. But pastor, you don't understand what was done to me. That's true. But we don't understand what we did to Christ. And that's bigger. And you know, the reality is that forgiveness is not something that you and I can generate. Did you know that? Uh, look at forgiveness, and I love this in, in illustration, but look for, at forgiveness as oxygen. Our lungs do not generate oxygen. They only take it in. Are you with me? We have to breathe in the atmosphere of oxygen around us to receive forgiveness. I mean, to receive oxygen. And, and, and forgiveness is the same. We're told that God is, is, has totally immersed this planet in forgiveness, but it's up to us to receive it. You and I cannot change our heart towards the person who has injured us, but God can. If we are, really. And I have prayed this prayer many times, Lord, I am not willing right now, but I am willing to be made willing. And if you keep coming to Him, the Lord will work in your life. Look, I don't know what's going on in your life, but I have dealt with people who have had to deal with some horrible things. And God, I have watched generate forgiveness in their hearts. And He can do that for you and me. But if we refuse to forgive someone else, it will torpedo our communication line. We have to go to the Lord and ask God to give us that forgiveness. Amen? You with me? All right. Steps to Christ, 97. If we expect our own prayers to be heard, we must forgive others in the same manner and to the same extent as we hope to be forgiven. Amen? Same extent. By the way, I encourage you to look on the internet for the la one of the last presentations by Corey Ten Boom. The greatest of these is love. It's audio. You can, get on, you, can, you can pick it up. But what a tremendous presentation. And this woman had to forgive the murderer of her, of her, of her sister and also of her whole family. That's a God thing. And if the Lord can lead that woman to forgive the murder of her family. Can he, for, can he lead you and me to forgive the people in our lives? You bet. Absolutely yes. So forgiveness, lack of forgiveness, is one of the things that will block. And um, did I skip something here? No. Okay. Let's keep going. Now a time, place, and content of prayer. What example did Jesus give on how to start each day? Mark 11.35 Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daybreak, he went out and departed to a solitary place and there he what? He prayed. He prayed. It's amazing to me. I love to read about Christ's prayer life. But he started his prayer life when? In the morning. Why in the morning? Because you've got to start your day and you've got to get into the mess. And I remember what a wise man once said to me. When does the soldier put on his armor? Before or after the battle? Before the battle. He puts on his armor. And as we start our day, we begin with prayer. That's the example that Christ gives to us. Uh, Acts the Apostle, page 56. Morning by morning, as the heralds of the gospel kneel before the Lord and renew their vows of consecration to Him, He, Christ, will grant them the presence of His Spirit with its reviving, sanctifying power. As we begin our day with the Lord in prayer, He does this. 
Number eight, what did Jesus say concerning secret prayer? Matthew 6, 6, But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you how? Openly. And I love to pray with the Lord when I'm out walking. Any, any people here like to... I, I do. I like to pray out loud because uh, it helps me with my focus. I have a terrible attention span. I'll talk about that a little more. But I was like, I love to do that. And it kind of gets embarrassing when you walk past people's houses and they're sitting on the porch quietly and they're watching you walk by praying out loud and they don't know what's going on. But um, it's an opportunity to witness there as well. But look at this quote from Education 256. Family prayer, public prayer have their place, but it is secret communion with God that does what? It sustains the soul of life. Devotional life for someone who's getting ready for the second coming is not optional. It is not optional. Number nine. What would, what, with what should our prayer be mingled? Philippians 4, 6. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And by the way, it continues on. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. You know, we shouldn't be anxious because we serve a God that cares. We've established that. When I was a student, a number of you are students, and I was uh, at Southern, I was in my ma- the master's program. And in, in the middle, in the master's program, there were the, these two difficult teachers, and I won't say who they are because they still teach there. But <clears throat> I got them both back to back in the same summer session. Volumes and volumes of material. And, um, and so anyway, the first, and, and I, the Lord has blessed me in academics. Not early in my life, but later on, He really did. And I was doing really well. And uh, it was time for the final. And the amount of information was unreal. Now, we were already, the group of us, these are all pastors, and, uh, and the group of us were, were already fearful of the test following this, and we had gotten no handout to know how to prepare for it. And um, so anyway, as I was taking that one test, it was in the afternoon, the next final was the next morning. So I'm taking that test. First time this ever happened to me. It was so much information. My brain fused out. Have you ever been there? You're just pumping it out in your hours and all of a sudden you just kind of go, it's gone. Anybody ever had, I've never had that happen to me in my whole life. And it just left me. I praise the Lord we were grading on the curve. So I got an A. But uh, I walked out of there so happy but I was, I was done. And just then the reader of the other test comes with the material to study. Twelve essay questions, each with four to five questions to prepare. And it's 5 o'clock and the test is 8 o'clock the next morning. And we're already brain fried. By the way, it was kind of funny. I've never seen a group of pastors whine in my whole life <laughs> like I did at that moment. But one of them broke into action. He was the leader. And he said to one of us, you find the answers to question number one. You find the... You know. And we did that. So we broke up and we started researching. Then we gave it to one guy who put it all together. And at 11 o'clock at night, we were ready to study. So I went home and, uh, and I, I sat down to read, to start studying. And I, have you ever been there? You just read the same thing over and 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 like nothing is retaining? So I said to the Lord, this is the biggest waste of time. Nothing, I'm not getting anything out of this. So Lord, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to go to sleep and I'm going to ask you to wake me up. And by the way, I don't have an alarm clock. The Lord wakes me up each morning. And I said, Lord, you wake me up and, and then I will study. And I think, Lord, I think if you can wake me up about 2 or 3 in the morning... I ought to have a good shot at this thing, but I'm, I'm really scared about this test because if you do really bad, you're out of the program. And uh, so I went to sleep. And when I woke up in the morning, I had 
like 30 minutes to take a shower and drive to school. I was like, I'm sleeping, right? I haven't woken up yet. Lord, what happened? What's going on? Uh, I'm going to bomb this test and I'm done. I'm out of the program. But then this text came to my mind, be anxious for nothing. But in everything by prayer supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be met unto God. So I began to pray. And another one came to my mind. Um, what was that, Lord? It was a beautiful text. Oh, see if it'll come to me later. Uh, no, it was this one. It was the song. And that's what kept playing through my mind uh, over and over. So I kept playing that in my mind and I began singing and I thought to myself, Lord, you're going to do something for me and I don't know what it is. I thought maybe the teacher got sick and I was going to show up and there was going to be no test. But I showed up and there he was and he looked healthy and I thought, okay, that's not it. And so I sat down and the test came in front of me and I'm one of those, I learned, uh, my education is actually in education. You read all your questions first then you start answering them. And I was about to do that and something told me, don't do that. Okay? I went to the first question, I read it. I didn't know what it was. And all of a sudden, the answer came to my mind. I wrote it down. I wrote the next question, read it. And the answer came to my mind. And it went that way through the whole, I ate to death. God gave me the answers. Is that cheating? He gave me the answers to the... Now, now let me say, he, hasn't, he didn't do that before nor since, because that can ruin a fellow. But he knew I was trying my very best. You know? And God has a thousand ways to provide, of providing, of which we know absolutely nothing. And so we can't take our, our, our request to... Look at this, Volume 5, Testimony 3, uh, 17. If the, living, if the loving kindness of God called for more thanksgiving and praise, we would have far more power in what? In prayer. And the whole drive to school, I was praising God for what he was about to do. I was praising. I was singing as I was driving. I said, Lord, you're going to do something huge for me today. You brought me this program. You're not going to have me bomb out now. But I didn't know what it was going to be. He gave me the answers to the desk. And so when we pray, let's make sure we thank the Lord for hearing and answering us. How often should we pray? Ephesians 6.18 says to us, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. And so our attitude in prayer should be very thankful. I'm going through this quickly. I'm looking at our time. And I still have some time here. Good. Uh, my life today, 316. The enemy cannot overcome the humble learner of Christ, the one who walks prayerfully before the Lord. Let me repeat that. Follow that. The enemy cannot overcome the humble learner of Christ, the one who walks prayerfully before the Lord. This is something that's really been challenging me as of late. I am seeking now, I, I, you know, I used to dismiss this. But now I'm, start, I'm revisiting it. I am trying now consciously to maintain an attitude of prayer throughout the day. Whatever I'm doing, I involve God in it. When I was a student, before I studied, I asked Him. You know, my study, before I chose my classes, I would pray. As I was, before I met with advisors, I would pray. And, but now I'm seeking more and more to invite Him into every area of my life and try to remain more and more in an attitude of prayer. Are you with me? I want to maintain that connection so I'm still learning this and developing this. Why? Because... What was it we just read? The enemy cannot overcome the humbler of Christ, the one who walks prayerfully before the Lord. I want to continue my connection with my Heavenly Father. Amen? I really do. Okay, number 11. You know that uh, if God wants you to pray for something, what is that telling you? How eager is He to give it to you? 
What's the holdup? Is that we're not praying. Let's take a look at some, just some examples, some of the things God wants us to be praying for. What are, uh, here are some examples. Number one, for the forgiveness of sin. Does God want to forgive us? Yes. He wants us to pray for the Holy Spirit. Does the Lord want to give us the Holy Spirit? Number three, deliverance in the hour of temptation and danger. Number four, and these are texts that you can look at. Uh, number four, for wisdom and understanding. Number five, for healing. Number six, for prosperity of ministers of God. By the way, let me back up on this healing one. You know, I have seen God heal people amazing. And I've been part of many uh, um, anointing services. And this is what I tell people in the anointing service. Are you ready? I tell them, for the, for the, for the, for the, the, the child of God, when they ask for healing, the answer is always yes. It's always yes. What we don't know is when. It can be right now. It can be in a process. Or it can be at the second coming. But the healing will come. We need to trust the Lord for the timing. Amen? We do. And by the way, we may be praying for healing on something that actually would be bad for us. So we can trust Him. Amen? And it may just very well be that you and I have been praying for our loved ones to see them one in the kingdom and that very sickness that's come upon us might be the way to reach them. Are you with me? So we can trust Him in life or in, in death. But for the faithful believer, there is a resurrection. Amen? Death is just an app. It's an interruption. God is good. But let's continue. Uh, deliverance, okay, wisdom and understanding, healing, uh, prosperity of the ministers of God, and that we're not talking about financial, but in the work uh, of the Lord. Number seven, those who suffer for the truth's sake, we need to be praying for those for our rulers, especially our conference president. I want to encourage you to keep that man in prayer. He's courageous. And uh, he's God's man and the man of the hour. Let's keep that man and all of our leaders in prayer. For our enemies, we need to be praying for them. Uh, for a temporal prosperity that the work of God will not be hindered. Number 11, for the Lord to vindicate His cause. Number 12, for laborers. Number 13, for the harvest. Uh, number 14, for the coming of Jesus. And number 15, for our needs. Amen. These are things God wants us to be praying for. He wants to answer. Number 12, if an, attitude, if our, if an answer does not come at the time and in the manner expected, what should be our attitude? Uh, Psalms 37.7 says, Rest in the Lord and what? Wait patiently with Him. I, I, I just, I, I'd rather be a Christian than anything on this whole planet. I love working with the Lord. You know, uh, I'm not really big into electronics because they take so much time. I went through Southern, Southern and I took a whole uh, a course on computers and I did great. And on the very last day, the teacher looked at us and says, by the way, I want you to know that everything you learned is now obsolete. And I thought, there was money wasted. If he had told me that at the beginning of class, I'd have dropped it. And I made a decision then to let other people be real technology. And, uh, I, that, some of my students are, are smiling. And then uh, I just go to them if I need, some, I need some, some help. But when I got into the ministry, I began to notice that laptops were really going to be a big plus. I had a desktop. And I was watching these pastors using laptops. I said, you know, Lord, I can use one of those gizmos in uh, evangelism. I think that would be really good. I said, Lord, you know my heart. And you know if, I'm, if I'm my request is a selfish one. But I really believe, Lord, I can use that. And if you believe that my request is an honest one before you, would you please give me a laptop? Because I really need one. So anyway, I was working in my house, in my, in my home in, in Kansas. This house was scary. Oh, I can tell you stories. And I had somebody working on the electrical. And he stuck something in the wrong place. And anyway, I was working inside on my computer and I heard this. And I thought, that's not normal. What was that? And I looked and I noticed that the ceiling fan was spinning faster. And the lights were getting brighter, really, really bright. And I thought, that's not supposed to be happening. I walked out, I heard the air conditioner going, and uh, every, the lights were really super bright. And I went to the other side of the house, and, and the lights were really dim. 
And I thought, the, the grounding in the house broke. And the guy began explaining to me, oh, you're getting too much power on one side of your house and not enough on the other. I said, oh, oh, my computer. And when I walked in, I saw smoke coming from my computer. <laughs> it had fried my computer. And uh, I, was just, I was in total panic because how many of you back up your computers? Thank you. Oh, three of you do? Pray for me. I didn't. And I just knew I had fried everything on my, on my computer. And then just then, my prayer that I had prayed several months before had come to my mind. I said, oh. I said, Lord, is this your way of answering my prayer? That's okay, but can you please save my hard drive? And, um, and so I took my computer to some expert and they said to me, you know, everything on this thing is fried, but you're... We serve a great God. And, and so then uh, I called the... The, the insurance people, and they said to me, did you buy this computer new? I said, yeah, and I bought it years ago, and I told them it was an old e-machine. They said, well, then we've got to reimburse you according to what it would cost today. I got my laptop. <laughs> but I had to wait. At that moment, I had to trust that God was working things out for me in His timing. Amen? Not in my timing, but it's His timing. God knows when the timing is the best. Youth Instructor, 1899. We are to rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him. The answer to our prayers may not come as quickly as we desire, and it may not be just as what we have asked, but He who knows what is the highest good for His children will bestow a much greater good than we have asked if we do not become faithless and discouraged. Amen? Uh, number 13. What if we don't pray just right or worse? I don't know what to pray for, Romans 8.26. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which we cannot be uttered. So the Lord delivers our prayers if we knew how to pray intelligently. But I want to share something with you. I just discovered there's another meaning to this. How many of you know you need the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon you? How many of you are finding a struggle in being persistent in your prayer? I am learning that persistence is a gift from God. I am praying for the Lord to create that urgency within my life and to give me that gift. I am pleading for urgency. I'm saying, Lord, the burden that is on your heart, place it on mine. I want it on my heart. As badly as you want me to be filled, I want you to place that burden in my heart. Amen? So these are things that we can be praying for. Number 14, what is the secret of spiritual power? Uh, Gospel workers, 254, 255. Prayer is the breath of the... Soul. It is the secret of spiritual power. No other means of grace can be substituted and the health of the soul be preserved. Prayer brings the heart into, I love this next word, immediate contact with the wellspring of life and strengthens the sinew and muscle of the religious experience. We serve a God that is real. We serve a God that wants to communicate with us and in that communication, He begins to draw us closer to Him there is a science to prayer. We have to understand how to pray intelligently. And as we study, He begins to show us what's blocking our prayer. He wants to show us what's blocking what He wants to give us. And as we cooperate with Him, the windows of heaven are open and He's able to work with us. Does that make sense? We're going to close out here, give you... uh, Is five minutes good? Do you need more than five minutes? Or is five minutes good? Five minutes is good? Then what we're going to do is we're going to look at an element of prayer that is vitally important to us, and that is persistence. We're going to talk about that element of prayer that's so vital. Driving it home. Let's close out with prayer. Father, we are grateful that we do not serve a God that is in some faraway place 
that is barely even noticing what's happening in our lives. We're not, following a, we're not serving a God who's interested in everybody else but me. We're following a God that when we pray, listens to each prayer as though there is another soul on earth. God who is personal. God who is real. God who wants to save us more than we want to be saved. Lord, I pray that, that through this very humble study, we will come to a much deeper understanding that there is a science to prayer, that you are not irresponsible. You're a responsible God. And, and you're teaching us to be responsible. And you're teaching us to do it through prayer. Even if we pray for the, our wrong stuff or something goofy, you don't give up on us. You begin to teach us, Lord, what is wrong with it. And then, and then you correct us lovingly. Lord, I pray that we'll come to understand it more fully. Lord, give us a chance to rest. We've been sitting all day and we've had a nice meal. And I pray you'll help us and prepare us for this next talk. I thank you and praise you and ask it in Christ's name. Amen. This message was recorded by Fountain View Productions for GYC. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to inspire and equip young people to be vibrant, Bible-based, and Christ-centered Christians. To download or purchase other resources, visit us online at gycweb.org.